Well, as I'm sure most of you already know by now, after eight years of being in a coma, the former Prime Minister of Israel, Ariel Sharon, passed away at 85. A death uh, immediately set in motion, as others have put it, an intense dialogue in Israel about the man's larger-than-life legacy. My guest this hour says of him, Ariel Sharon was a great soldier warrior and one of the great builders of the liberated Israeli communities in the biblical heartland of Judea and Samaria, and also in Gaza. Sadly, says my guest, he became a great destroyer as prime minister. David Rubin is veteran political commentator, Israeli spokesman, well-known author of uh, some great books, including The Islamic Tsunami, Israel and America in the Age of Obama. Also, God, Israel, and Shiloh returning to the land, and his latest just out called Peace for Peace, Israel in the New Middle East, all of which are available at his website, David. RubenIsrael.com. David, good to have you back. How are you? Thank you. Good to be with you, Don. Well, indeed, it was a remarkable mark that Ariel Sharon left on Israeli history and that of the Middle East itself. But for folks who perhaps, some of the younger set especially, are hearing him, uh, about him now for the first time, especially since he's been completely out of circulation due to the coma for many years, who was Ariel Sharon and why is his name so uh, very volatile in terms of getting strong reactions one way or the other? Well, Ariel Sharon was a legend in Israel. And it, it didn't matter that he was in a coma for eight years. Uh, the, he came, you know, the, he died after, after eight years in a coma. And, and everyone is, is already debating what his legacy was. Uh, so, you know, he certainly wasn't forgotten. Uh, he, he was, he was known as a bulldozer. He was someone who could get things done and, and got things done. Uh, once he made a decision that he wanted to get something done, he found the ways to get it done. And it didn't matter whether it was, uh, succeeding in, in, uh, the middle of, you know, war for Israel's survival or, or, uh, building, building communities uh, throughout Judea and Samaria, the so-called West Bank, um, building roads uh, through, through Samaria. Uh, he, he was able to get it done. He accomplished it. Uh, the, and, and unfortunately, as, I, as you alluded to, uh, he eventually, uh, for reasons most likely having to do with serious corruption in his own family, uh, he he was the one who uh, did a major flip flop when he became prime minister, and and he uh, destroyed he destroyed communities that he had built. He expelled ten thousand Jews from their homes and totally destroyed their communities, killing, uh, destroying uh, schools and and kindergartens and and parks and and of course homes. Uh, that that had been built with his encouragement and his assistance. Well, talk about the earlier years. Indeed, he was a most notable uh, figure in Israeli modern history. Uh, perhaps give us a bit of background and highlights uh, of his own military career, his political career, who he was as a young man, how he came to power, and some of the significant steps along the way that made him uh, someone who was... Uh, the Israeli people were, were quite ready to see as prime minister. Well, Ariel Sharon grew up on a, uh, on a moshav, which 
for those of your listeners who don't know, Moshav is it's kind of like a kibbutz. It's it's um, uh, communal in some ways, but uh, but but it has private enterprise. It's uh, an agricultural community, and he he grew up as a as a farmer, and and he remained a farmer to uh, almost until his death. Um, he, he was. Uh, Always connected with the, the land of Israel, uh, always had a strong a strong feeling for the land of Israel and the people of Israel, and he he became a a, a very accomplished soldier. He had that element of Israel that is that is called chutzpah, uh, which 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 means uh, uh, well loosely translated it means nerve. It means the 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 persistence to go ahead and do what you need to do even even if it's uh defying the rules and he did that many many times he he succeeded in wars um as a as, you know as a, a high officer in the army because because he knew when to break the rules in order to win the wars and and he he was uh, just a tremendous soldier. He saved Israel uh, from destruction on on several occasions. Uh, and then as a politician as well, he he would find the ways to get things done. And and he he did that. And and one of his main passions was building the land of Israel, rebuilding the land of Israel, as I like to say. And and that's what he did. He did, did a tremendous job of rebuilding the Jewish communities in in Samaria and Judea that that fell into Israel's hands after the Six Day War, uh, 1967. And he he just accomplished the, this. He 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 had the determination to make it happen. We're talking with David Rubin. He is, among other things, a veteran political commentator, spokesman for Israeli issues, former mayor of Shiloh, Israel. That's a region of Samaria, or in the region of Samaria, and, uh, of course, known to most of us as the West Bank. He's also founder and president of Shiloh Israel Children's Fund, which we've talked about before, and I'll have him describe it in a few minutes once again, because it's still very operative and important to him and to others uh, that it helps. Uh, there are two websites, davidrubinisrael.com and shilohisraelchildren.org. David, uh, go back more, if you would, in detail to uh, whatever you can tell us about what made him change from uh, the builder to the destroyer. Well, that's a matter of some dispute. I don't know if we will ever know 100% uh, what it was, but... Uh, up until uh, the year 2003, uh, Sharon still had a reputation of, of of being a builder of the land of Israel, of, of being someone who stood with the settlement movement uh, in Israel. Uh, he he had a reputation of being a strong leader who who could easily defeat terrorism. Uh, once he sets his mind to it, he was going to defeat terrorism. Uh, but uh, approximately in the year 2003, uh, Sharon was accused of 
of several cases of of corruption. I mean, serious corruption. We're talking about um, million dollar bribes and millions of dollars, perhaps, um, in which uh, they his son supposedly received millions of dollars, um, and and this was allegedly in order to bribe Sharon himself, Ariel Sharon himself. Uh, to be, to use his influence in the government, and and it, this um, this case broke uh, in in uh, 2003. It was it, it, it was all over the news. It was front page uh, front page corruption charges, and Sharon even held a press conference in, in which he spoke to the media because it was on the front page of all the papers. In which he was accused of, of corruption, and and it, it threatened his uh, his very career as prime minister. And so, according to a book in Hebrew uh, called Boomerang, uh, so by, uh, and this book was written by two very well known journalists who certainly were not on the right wing uh, of Israeli politics, certainly not on the right side of the Israeli political spectrum. These two journalists, very respected journalists, uh, they, they wrote this book, Boomerang, and, they, and in the book they, they investigated and they reported on a meeting that was held immediately after these charges came out. And, and they... Uh, they had a discussion with all Sharon and his aides at his ranch and they, and they said that, um, that they, they were going to do whatever they could to get these, these corruption charges off the front pages. Well, sure enough, uh, the, the, someone suggested, well, perhaps uh, we should have, uh, go to war, which is what leaders sometimes do to detract attention. Um, that, that suggestion was knocked down. And then someone said, well, why don't we adopt uh, a unilateral peace plan in which we will unilaterally withdraw from Gaza, uh, which was the peace plan that uh, Sharon's opponent mm. had suggested in the previous election, uh, his defeated opponent. And uh, this was a distinctly left-wing plan, which went contrary to everything that Sharon always stood for. Uh, but but this they, they said that this was a way that he could get the media, the left-wing media, off his back, and this was a way that he could get the left-wing judiciary off his back. And you know what? It worked. Mm. Uh, so, sure enough, uh, the, 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 the week after Sharon came out with his, uh, his plan to withdraw from Gaza and to, to expel all the Jews who lived there, uh, the, the media got off its back, off his back. The corruption charges went to the back pages of the paper, and in some cases even disappeared. Well, we'll want to come back with more. And again, if you're just joining us, very interesting and informed guest, as always, David Rubin. And I have other information for you as well. I recommend his books, The Islamic Tsunami, Israel and America in the Age of Obama. God Israel in Shiloh, returning to the land, and his newest, which I'll have him describe in a few minutes, Peace for Peace, 
Israel in the Middle East. His website is davidrubinisrael.com. David, R-U-B-I-N, Israel.com. We'll be right back. My guest is the former mayor of Shiloh, Israel. He's an author of several excellent books. Uh, he is an Israeli commentator, an observer, and expert in these matters. David Rubin is with me. And, uh, David, uh, what are the long-term, in your view, results of that shift? In other words, what price has been paid by the nation because of Sharon's uh, change of heart or whatever else? Well, first of, first of all, uh, you have to look at the impact on those 10,000 uh, people who, who were thrown out of their homes. Uh, these, these were people who had been encouraged by Israeli political leaders, uh, Sharon, of course, being first and foremost, uh, to, to build up those communities in, in the Gaza Strip, in the, the area that we called Gush Katif, uh, which was, um, which they had built into just a beautiful, beautiful region along the coast of Israel. And uh, there was a lot of innovative, innovative farming. There, there were people who had young families, big families. Uh, just a beautiful, beautiful place that, that, uh, he, he destroyed it, destroyed the whole region after encouraging these people to live there. Um, and I, I have to tell you, uh, uh, there is a large percentage of these people who, uh, who we're talking eight years, you know, actually closer to nine years later. Uh, some of these people still still are out of work. Some of, some of them uh, still haven't, uh, t- still don't have permanent homes to live in. They're, they're living in temporary living quarters uh, because they lost all their life's earnings and they, and, and they lost their jobs because they were forced to relocate. Uh, not a simple thing in the lives of, of, um, you know, thousands of people. And as far as, uh, on a national level, it, it, it tore the country apart. There, there were, uh, people who, who believed Sharon, who, who, who believed in, in his promises and those of his, his, uh, the people who worked with him in the, in the government, uh, who, who had always encouraged people to settle the land of Israel. Uh, they, 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 they felt like they were betrayed. Mm. And, you know, so, so I can look at, I can look at the Sharon, uh, in the, you know, in the broad sense and sort of put emotion to the side. And I can say, well, he was a great warrior. He was a great builder of communities, a great leader in Israel. Uh, but he ended his career with a terrible, terrible uh, act uh, that that will will ruin his legacy, I believe. Uh, but the, the, there are there are others who were thrown out of their homes, who just just can't even see the positive side. The, the pain is still so great uh, from from that expulsion. How uh, soon after that fateful decision on his part and those of his aides was uh, his stroke occurring? How how long after it was? What a couple of years later that he had the stroke? Oh, it, it was. Uh, uh, it was it was about a year later, hmm. um, and uh, and the 
what what was very interesting was that the the corruption uh charges uh that that had disappeared from the front pages of Israel uh, about a year after uh the the expulsion uh from from the Jewish communities in Gaza and and a few of them from northern Samaria uh just just a, a year after uh, the corruption charges returned to the front pages uh, after uh, the two two sons of the uh, one of the main individuals who was who was um, involved in the the bribery uh, the alleged bribery uh, those two individuals visited Israel and and their laptops were confiscated by the police. And the police reported that they found incriminating information uh, towards the Sharon family uh, in in those laptops, and and when and that was front page news again. It was the first time that that it returned to the front pages, uh, the corruption charges, and just a day later, Sharon was rushed to the hospital. Uh, with the massive stroke, and he went into a coma, mm. uh, which he never recovered from. I don't know if it was connected to 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 that that announcement. I, you know, I, I mean, obviously, I'm not a doctor. I can't say, and I, and and I, I really don't know. But I say that stress is is involved with all of with uh, things of that nature. Well, before we take this next break, uh, David, what would you say are lessons that really can be learned out of his life both before and after that terrible betrayal, which it uh, obviously was toward his nation? Well, I think that uh, that, that we need to uh, look not not just at the why of what, why Sharon turned like that, um, because we don't know for sure. Obviously, everything that I've discussed, uh, you know, that uh, these, these are all alleged, alleged crimes, and and uh, as I said, they'll probably never be proven. Uh, but but I I think it's the, there are lessons for the nation as a whole in his actions, and the the actions of Sharon ultimately became the actions of appeasement towards our enemies in the hope that it will bring peace. And the withdrawal from Gaza didn't bring peace. It was appeasement in terms of the actual action of, of what was done. And and it didn't bring what it, what it promised to bring. But uh, Sharon and, and all the others had promised that it would bring peace. What it brought was rockets on Israeli cities and, uh, and an increase in terrorism. Well, let's take a break and come back and uh, talk about more immediate things. Namely, I'd like you to give us a thumbnail sketch of the two previous books you've written and then tell us a bit about this latest one. We're coming back in a moment with David Rubin, author, former mayor of Shiloh, Israel, among other things, founder of the Shiloh Israel Children's Fund, S-I-C-F. We'll ask him to describe what that's about as well. Two websites for you, DavidRubinIsrael.com and ShilohIsraelChildren.org. Back in a moment. My guest, David Rubin, 
author and political expert regarding matters, especially in the Middle East and Israel in particular, a veteran political commentator, author of several books. And David, if you would in turn take us through, at least briefly, uh, these books and your uh, the thoughts that you're communicating in them, starting with the Islamic tsunami, Israel and America in the age of Obama. Well, the Islamic tsunami, uh, and of course, yes, the subtitle is Israel and America in the age of Obama. It speaks about a, a, a threat, what I think is uh, one of the greatest threats to Western civilization. And that is the the Islamic threat, the threat of Islamic fundamentalism that is spreading through the West like wildfire. And it's not just spreading through the Middle East, although obviously it's happening in the Middle East, and that's the whole meaning of the Arab Spring. Uh, but but the Islamic fundamentalism that's spreading through the West is is a, a terrible threat. Uh, to Western civilization as a whole, to, to the, the civilization of, of freedom, of free speech, of freedom of religion. And, and that's something that I'm very concerned about. And um, how, how does Israel fall into that? I think that the, uh, the, the connection between Israel and the United States in particular isn't just the connection between two countries that have the right to vote. It's a connection between two countries that are based on Judeo, uh, well, Israel obviously based on Judaism and, uh, the United States based on, uh, Christianity that is rooted in Judaism or Judeo-Christian civilization. And I, you know, I've seen, I've seen the United States change and, uh, and, uh, the, the, the greatest change is this moving away from Judeo-Christian civilization. And the more the United States moves away from Judeo-Christian civilization, uh, the more the United States moves away from its connection with Israel and its its partnership with Israel. And uh, I believe that that partnership with Israel is is the, the strongest asset that the United States has. And yes, Israel benefits from its relationship with the United States, but I also believe and and I show in in my book the Islamic tsunami how important that relationship is for the United States itself what about God Israel and Shiloh returning to the land your second book well God Israel and Shiloh is is uh, the the story of Israel's return to its land after 2,000 years of exile the amazing story of the Jewish people all the way from slavery in Egypt uh, up to the return to, to the land of Israel in the early part of the 20th century, and all the way up to the present, Israel's reestablishment, Israel's wars uh, that it has suffered through, and the terrorism. And I, I tell that story of the of the terrorism and the return to the land through my own eyes, as one who grew up in the United States and uh, eventually moved to the land of Israel and uh, got married, raised a family in the land of Israel, suffered terrorism from terrorism, uh, ter- terrible terrorist attack uh, that uh, wounded uh, me, wounded my three-year-old son. Uh, we miraculously survived that attack. And, uh, and I, I tell that entire story in, in my book, 
God, Israel, and Shiloh returning to the land. And I, I also talk a little bit about the good that came out of that, which was the establishment of the Shiloh Israel Children's Fund, which heals the trauma of terrorism in the children of the biblical heartland of Israel. Uh, through our therapy programs, our educational programs. And actually, if I could just take uh, this moment to encourage your listeners to go check out the website, uh, which is Shiloh, S-H-I-L-O-H, IsraelChildren.org. Shiloh, IsraelChildren.org. They can get more information about uh, how, how our organization started, how the Shiloh Israel Children's Fund started, and what we do uh, to help the children and to rebuild. And as you uh, have said before on the show, uh, David, uh, of course, this, and you just mentioned it again, this grew out of you and your own sons being wounded in a, an attack while you were just driving home, as I recall, from the uh, city of Jerusalem itself. Is that right? Uh, that's right. We were, we were about halfway home from Jerusalem. Uh, we had a day outing in Jerusalem. We are coming back in my car, and the car was... Uh, ambushed from the side of the road by Islamic terrorists. Uh, the, the, a bullet uh, went into my leg and a bullet went into my son's head and uh, thank God missed his brain stem by one millimeter mm. uh, but causing some serious damage nonetheless. And we, we, we somehow um, miraculously got the car to start. I mean, uh, the, the car wasn't starting, the terrorists were shooting, and and I, I managed to get away from the terrorists. The car started, I drove, uh, must have been about 110 miles per hour uh, to get away from the terrorists and to get to an ambulance that eventually brought us to the hospital and 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 we recovered after a couple of operations we uh we fully recovered from from the from our wounds and and that's when i started to think well how can i turn this into something good as opposed to and reacting that, with a lot of anger and uh, and uh, hatred as uh, some might would be tempted to do i think you really turned uh, your trials and adversity into something very powerful well, Donna, if if I if I had reacted, or if one reacts with with uh, anger, or with or with depression, going into a deep depression, I can understand both of those reactions. Mm -hmm. uh, but I I chose not to do that. You know, we we have an expression in Hebrew, Hakolatova, which means everything is for good. And that doesn't mean that everything that happens to us is good. It means that everything happens for a good reason. And after after that happened, I, I started to see that uh, that that good can come out of trauma. And that's a, one of the lessons that we try to teach all the children that we treat, uh, which is that good can come out of trauma, and and that everything that happens happens for a good reason. Well, let's take this final break, then come back. Have you describe? Briefly, your newest book, Peace for Peace, Israel in the, in the New Middle East. And give me your uh, own concerns and assessment as to where we are. Pardon me, as to where we are right now, uh, we being the United States and Israel under this administration and uh, current policy. We'll be back in a moment with David Rubin. And again, let me give you those websites. ShilohIsraelChildren.org. Shiloh. 
S-H-I-L-O-H, Shiloh, IsraelChildren.org. I know David would welcome your visiting there. If you want to partner with their great work, you're welcome to do that on that website. Also, his books are available at DavidRubinIsrael.com. DavidRubin, R-U-B-I-N, Israel.com. We'll be right back. On Crow Show on WAVA, David Rubin, my guest, former mayor of Shiloh, Israel, author of several great books, and an expert on these matters concerning Israel, the Middle East, and also our relationship as nations, U.S. and the uh, nation of Israel. He uh, spent many years here in this country, as you heard him say earlier, and now he and his family live in Israel. Uh, David, take us to your newest book. Uh, what is the, the premise of it? What are the things you want folks to find when they read it? Well, as you mentioned, the title of the book is Peace for Peace, Israel in the New Middle East. And Peace for Peace denotes a change, or what I'm proposing to be a change in the entire way that we've approached this whole peace process. Up until this point, for about, I'd say the past 45 years, we've been, uh, we've, we've been acting on this land for peace premise that if it, if Israel gives up uh the the the, the land the, the the heartland of Israel hands it over to this this band of armed islamic terrorists called the Palestinian Authority that we're going to have peace and uh, unfortunately the world doesn't work that way and certainly not when you're dealing with islamic terrorists uh, it just doesn't work that way. Uh, the, the Palestinian Authority consists of the Hamas terrorist organization and the Fatah terrorist organization, as well as Islamic Jihad. Uh, so the, the, these are not peace-loving people, uh, and, and some of the world's worst terrorism stems from uh, their their father organization, the Palestine Liberation Organization. And, and Yasser Arafat, who was indeed the father of modern terrorism. Uh, so, not, so I'm, I'm saying if they want peace, we should extend our hand in peace. And, but, but it has to be based on, on intellectual and historical honesty, uh, which means that the, the land of Israel can only be the sovereign land of, of the Jewish people. And that, that's all the way from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, which actually is not such a big piece of land. It's about the size of New Jersey. Uh, but uh, I'm saying that the areas, the liberated areas of Judea and Samaria should not be in the hands of, of our enemies and certainly can't, can't be used to create some sort of Palestinian state. And uh, so once, once that, that sovereignty for Israel is established and we stop talking about uh, this nonsens- nonsensical and dangerous Palestinian state, uh, then we can talk about extending citizenship to all of the uh, Arab residents who live in Judea and Samaria. I propose a path to loyal citizenship, uh, not an easy path, granted, but, but uh, a path that those who truly want to be loyal to the state of Israel uh, can, can follow and, and, and can be granted citizenship. Well, as always, good to talk with you, my friend. I know folks will take advantage of your books and your websites. And thank you for spending these time, this visit with us, these moments, and we'll do it again. Well, it was my pleasure, Don. Thank you.
David Rubin. And again, website davidrubinisrael.com, shilohisraelchildren.org.